Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Entitled, I hope not to be too long, is Keys to Growth. Yeah. Right? Keys to Growth. If you are with us last week, it was really the first part of this message, and this is kind of continuation, so if you missed that, you can still watch it on YouTube or Facebook, because you'll hopefully get engaged with what we're talking about today. But I think all of us want to grow. Who wants to grow? In every aspect of life, you know, you want to grow financially, you want to go spiritually, you want to go, you know, in different areas, you want to achieve something in life. All of us want to grow in some areas, right? And I think that's a universal concept. We are born to grow. Did you know that? And everything in creation, if it's alive, guess what? It grows. If it doesn't grow, it it means it's not alive. Because everything alive grows. And Jesus, of course, talked tremendously about growth. He addressed it in so many different ways. And, you know, his parables often talked about growth. He used to talk about trees. He used to talk about farming. He used to talk about different things because he wanted to give them in an agricultural society an understanding of what growth really means. And Jesus talked a lot about it. And so even in the Psalms in the Old Testament, it's mentioned. And I want to read Psalm 1 to you because there's so much packed into this little psalm. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but just a few verses, and you can see there's so much that comes from understanding our perspective of being rooted and growing in God. And this is what the psalm says in Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or take a seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. So here's the context, here's the analogy. It says, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water. So here's the picture. If you want to be wise, if you want to be a successful person, if you want to succeed in life, you have to grow. But to grow like a tree, you need to be planted by where? Living waters, right? Streams of waters. And so what is the writer of the psalm trying to say? What is he trying to say? Because then he continues, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, does what? Prospers. Is it up on the screen? Whatever they do will prosper. So the picture is a tree by waters takes on nourishment and produces fruit and grows and prospers. And so then the psalmist says, be like the tree. And how are we supposed to grow? How do we grow as Christ followers? Well, we need to be planted by living waters. And the living water is God and his word, right? And if we are nourished with God's word, if we are nourished by the things of God, if we are nourished by what God pours into our life, we will begin to grow and prosper. And I'm not going to read the rest of the psalm, but it gives you the exact opposite. If you read, continue on. It says, people that are not wise in God have a reward. And that reward is not associated with these people like a tree. It actually withers and dies. 
So you get to choose. And my question for you this morning is, do you want to grow? Do you want to prosper in life? Do you want to flourish? Do you want to succeed in whatever you do? Because that's what the psalm says. Be like a tree because it will bring forth fruit. And whatever it does, you will prosper. To be wise means to invest in yourself. Because when you invest in yourself, you're nourishing yourself and preparing yourself for growth. If you don't want to grow, well then don't care about yourself. If you don't want to prosper, don't invest in yourself. If you don't want to succeed, don't try anything. Just sit there on a bench and look pretty. Even then you probably need some work. <laughs> That's a bit bad. I'm being bad. <laughs> I'm talking about myself, don't worry. <laughs> you know, the waters here that the psalmist described, of course, is the living waters of life. And if we pull nourishment from God's word, if we pull nourishment from the principles that God puts in our life, we will actually prosper. And I want you to, to lean into this idea of flourishing. Because the idea of flourishing means that you bring the best out. To flourish means to not just grow, but to have great success and growth. When you look at a beautiful flower bed, it says, Isn't, aren't those flowers flourishing? Because they've got nourishment, they've grown, they produce beautiful flowers, it's succeeding. If it's withering up, you're not going to talk about flourishing, right? So I believe in all of our lives, we want to succeed in our relationships, in our marriages, at our work, at our job, at school, with everything that we do in our life, our finances, and especially when it comes to God and our walk with God. I believe we want to flourish, right? All of us want to flourish. And when we flourish, we begin to actually be what the psalmist says. And so here's an important principle. If we want our church to grow, and I believe all of us want our church to grow, yeah. growth of the church hinges upon individual growth. You can only grow, the church can only grow as much as you grow individually. So today, I don't want you to even think about succeeding for your family, succeeding for your future, succeeding even for God. I want you to think about succeeding for yourself. Invest in yourself. Because when you invest in yourself through what God does for your life, you will naturally flourish and everyone around you will flourish. The church will flourish and your family will flourish. Because you're investing yourself into what God has for your life. And you will begin to flourish. And if you look closely into the scriptures, that's exactly what Jesus talked about. We're just jumping off from what we talked about last week. The church... Transformed church is a direct reflection of our individual growth corporately together. If the church doesn't flourish, it's because we individually have not flourished. If the church doesn't grow, that means we individually have not grown. And sometimes, you know, we have children in our life, and if you've had a son or a daughter, you've watched them grow. What if you had a son? And that it was 20 years old and they're still in diapers the same size. Do you think you'd have a problem? Would you be running to the doctor? Would you be finding out why? Do you know why? Because you're saying the natural thing for a child to do is to grow. And because it's not growing, there's a problem. But sometimes we don't look into our own lives and see that we are stagnant. We're doing the same thing year after year. We're not progressing. We're not growing. And because physically we are at a size that we don't need to grow anymore, we don't notice that we're not growing. We're stagnant. So Christ's direction for the church 
is to be a church that multiplies, that glows, that flourishes. And every single one of us, as we talked about last week, is part of the church. We don't come to church. We are the church. Every single one of us. And so it's our attitude that the church attitude will have. You want to have a good attitude at church? Well, you need to have a good attitude. If the view of the church is our individual view, the success of the church is our individual success. Because as we succeed, the church will succeed. See, this is what we have to understand. When we choose to engage with the ways, the words, and the works of Jesus, we bring to reality the vision Jesus had for the church. When we choose to engage with the ways, the words, and the works of Jesus, then we actually engage in Jesus' vision for the church. If we're not engaged in the ways of Jesus, or the words of Jesus, or the works of Jesus, we're independent from Him. We're working on our own. We're not engaged in what He has designed us to be. And when we take on the mission of Christ, we actually become the church because it was his mission. Our values, therefore, must come from Jesus. And the church must be central, must be focused in on what God has called us to do. Yes, we can do things and other stuff. But central, the core, the foundation has to be what Christ called us to do. So as I said last week, we must be the church. And not just attend church. We have to be its life, its breath, its feelings, its love, its expression. Every single one of us have to take on that responsibility. And to do that, we must be invested in our own personal growth. And that will overflow into the church. Moving forward, Transform will be built around these five key faith catalysts. And I want to share with you this morning. We're not going to expand it. I'm going to touch them briefly. We'll be expanding them as we go through our year and as we move forward and transform. But there's five key catalysts that I want to talk about this morning that I want you to be invested in because it's going to help you grow and it's going to help us grow and it's going to help the body of Christ begin to grow. But like anything, you must be committed for it to succeed, right? Buying a gym membership does not get you fit. You have to go to the gym and use the equipment. Watching, you know, how to cook on YouTube doesn't make you a chef. You have to actually do the cooking to become a chef, right? Watching, you know, the Australian Open on TV and saying, I know all the rules and everything does not make you a tennis star. You have to do it. And it's just like that in the church. Just attending church doesn't make you the church. You have to be the church. You have to be invested in it. And so in the same way, these five key catalysts are going to help you grow and mature and be what God has called you to be. But you have to be engaged with them for it to be a benefit for you to flourish in your life. And I want you to think about that this morning. Invest in yourself because when you flourish, the church flourishes. When you grow, the church grows. And so I want to share with you these five key catalysts. Here, here they are. Five of them. Number one, practical teaching. Number two, personal disciplines. Number three, personal ministry. Number four, providential relationships. And number five, pivotal circumstances. Those are the five key faith catalysts for your life. 
Take a picture, write it down, because that's what you have to do to be committed to, right? And so these five key things, I want to just expand. Each catalyst will be expressed in a different way at Transform. And some of you are already engaged in it. Some of you have already seen it in action. You might not be aware of it. You might not know what it's called, but it's already happening at Transform. Because as I said to you previously, our leaders have already been engaged in this for the last two years. So I want to give you a brief explanation of what these five are, and then we'll expand it as we go forward. But I need you, and I want you, and I encourage you to be engaged in it, because as you invest in yourself, you invest in the church. As you grow, the church grows. So, number one, practical teaching. Some of you might not have been aware of this, but we've actually been engaging this for three or four years. You're wondering, really? Absolutely. Absolutely. You've already encountered this for years. All teaching and preaching is not the same. If you know anything about the way Jesus taught, it was profoundly different from anything else at the time. They marveled at Jesus' teaching because he taught with authority. Matthew documents this in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. They were amazed at Jesus' teaching, which was completely and radically different from what everyone else was doing at the time. Why was Jesus' teaching so amazing? Because Jesus taught for a response. He didn't want people to just hear. Jesus taught for life change. He didn't teach for information. He taught for transformation. Right? That's what he did. Jesus' messages were meant to be portable and memorable. You remember those parables, right? Those were his teachings. They had to be portable, which means you can take them away. You just don't go to a place. You carry it with you. And they had to be memorable because they impacted your life. And so when you come to understand how practical Jesus taught and how he wanted you to respond to what the message he was talking for. You had to be engaged with it. That's why they marvel. And Jesus said this numerous times, don't be just a hearer, but be a doer. He taught for a response. Not to just hear, but to do. That's his mission for the church. Don't just come to church, be the church. Don't just hear things and walk away. Jesus didn't want you to come to an event on Sunday. He wanted you to be the church every single day. Right? So he asked you to do this. And so oftentimes Jesus' parables were often left with questions. He posed a question. He talked about the Good Samaritan. Then he asked the question, who is your neighbor? Remember that? And so when we teach on Sunday, we end with questions. Right? Do you know why we end with questions? Because we want you to encounter Christ every single day. They need to be taken away with you. And if you have not, if you've just been seeing those questions at the end of our services and going, oh, that's great, but I'm not going to do anything about it, you have not invested in yourself. Because when you take them away, it's portable and it's memorable. You take it away, you ask yourself how you can engage in the question during the week. So you're not going to an event, you're getting transformation in your life. So I encourage you, when you come on Sunday, it's not an event. It's just a stop along your journey. And so you take the questions we ask you into your week 
you think about them, you pray about them, you ask what God is talking to you, what's he saying to you in your life through that message we've talked about. And that's what Jesus taught. He taught for a response. He taught for you to be engaged. He taught for you to walk away and think about it and change your life and have transformation. Not just to come and hear and not do. He wanted you to have transformation. So you've been encountering this for a while, yes? But have you been engaged with it? Is the question. Have you invested in yourself? Have you taken away the questions and put them to work in your life? Have you carried them with you and asked yourself during the week, or is Sunday church just something you attend on Sunday and you don't think about God right till next Sunday again? So I encourage you, if you haven't done it before, write the questions down when we ask them. Put them in your phone. Take a picture of them. As you go through your week, meditate on it. Ask God to reveal what he's saying through it. And I guarantee you, you'll begin to grow. Number two, private disciplines. Did you know there's a direct correlation between a person's private discipline and the strength of his or her personal faith? How much you invest in yourself in your private time with God is a direct reflection of how your faith is strong in public. If you have not spent time with God alone in your private time, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in devotion, whether it's in reading the scripture, whatever it may be, how are you engaged? If you have not engaged in that, your faith is not being built. It's weak and fragile. And when you encounter something that opposes your view, it's going to just crumble. Because you haven't built a foundation in your life. Personal disciplines introduce a sense of accountability and intimacy to our faith walks. So I encourage you, if you have not done it before, start today. If you have not, you don't need to do five hours a day. Start with one minute a day. Commit to your life and say, God, for my faith, for my walk, for my growth, I want to just dedicate one minute every day. Start with one minute and build from there. Don't go, okay, I've never done this. I'm going to dedicate three and a half hours tomorrow and do that every week. You'll never get that done. But if you start with one minute, just one minute consistently every single day. If you build your private discipline, one minute every day for the rest of your life, God's going to be at work in you and you will see how you will flourish. Because God's going to pour that into your life. But it comes from intimacy with him. Your willingness to invest in yourself, your willingness to show yourself strong in God, has to come from your private discipline. It is the root of your relationship with God. So start with one minute if you haven't done that in your life already. Number three, personal ministry. When people describe their faith journeys, they always talk about the first time they engage with some kind of personal ministry. Why is that important? Maybe it's going on a mission trip. Maybe it's teaching kids. Maybe it's serving in the cafe. Maybe it's talking to youth. Maybe it's just standing out front and welcoming people. But every single person remembers the first time they served. You know why? Because they take on the mantle of Christ. Because Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And you know, there's something amazing that happens. If it's where you learn to depend on God because you might not feel qualified. You go, I'm totally unqualified for this. And you know what happens then? You lean on God a little bit more. And when you lean on Him, He shows up in your life. And when you begin to serve, you're actually taking on His character. 
If you want to be like Jesus, then take on his character. Begin to serve like he serves. And you can do that in so many different areas in the church. And you can do it as much and as little as you want. But the choice has to be yours. Jesus served. And he wants us to be like him. And so when we serve, we actually learn to depend on him because we are not capable we're not, we don't have the ability all the time. And so when we say, God, I, I don't feel qualified for this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Can you help me? He shows up and you feel an intimacy that you would never feel anywhere else except when you serve. So it has to come from personal ministry. Number four and number five are kind of intertwined but can be programmed. And number four is providential relationships. Most people, when they tell their faith stories, tell of godly encounters that change their life. And I guarantee you, all of you have had it. It might be like, oh, I met this couple that talked about Jesus. Oh, I went to this place and someone invited me to church. And I had this you know, experience with a family friend who, who invited me to this place and I encountered Christ. All of you, if you remember, had an, such an experience. Someone showed up in your life that changed the trajectory. Maybe they invited you. Maybe they shared something. Maybe they did something. And that's what God introduces. Providential relationships. All of us have had it. I could guarantee you. Remember, right? Yeah. Do you remember when someone showed up and your life changed? Someone talked about Christ. Someone invited you somewhere. Someone did this to you and your life changed. We're here today because of providential relationships. Someone invited you here. Someone introduced something. Someone brought you here. You're here because of providential relationships. God used someone in your life, and it might have been just a moment to bring you here to talk about this place or to tell you those are providential relationships. And you can program them because they're God, right? They're God. But guess what? Where can you encounter more providential relationships? Do you know where you can encounter them? In a life group. Not plugging life groups, but life groups happen, and you're not part, you're missing out. Because there could be a relationship, there could be an encounter, there could be an experience that God has organized for you or prepared for you, but you're not there to experience it. And you miss out. We can all make these things happen in our life by choosing to be in a place where other people who rely on God can speak into your life. Or encourage you. And when you gather around God and his mission, he works through you. He speaks through you. And you can speak into someone else's life and someone else can speak into your life. And your relationship could change because you might be in a place of struggle and God does something through someone in your life or helps introduce someone that you have been praying for for years to experience Christ. So be part of a life group. And another reason is, which is number five, Pivotal circumstances. Again, it can be programmed, but we all have them. We all encounter them. There's always been experiences that we've had that have happened in our life, that have shaped us, that have shaped our view, that have shaped our, our thinking, right? Some of them are good experiences, like you get a promotion at work. That's a great experience. You're happy about that. You get a new job. You have a baby. Exciting times. You know, you get a new promotion in another city. You see new people pivotal circumstances, but not all pivotal circumstances are good. Some of them are actually painful. And it's the painful ones that sometimes have a habit of getting us off course, right? Getting a divorce, 
losing a loved one, a friend that you trusted betrayed you, losing a job. Some of those situations shape our view of God, right? And if we are not with people that can contextualize it and put it in the right perspective, guess what's going to happen? You're going to come up with your own view. And if you're not around godly people and people that can speak into that difficult thing, you're going through a loss, God didn't abandon you, God's going to use that even in your difficult circumstances. If you don't have someone to contextualize it and help you through that difficult season, you're going to be alone, you're going to be questioning, you're going to say, where's God? All these questions when you don't have godly people around you that God has put into your life, but you've chosen to isolate like we do right now. And so that's why it's important that you're part of a life group because you never know how someone can impact your life by just using a few words that God has poured into them to bless you. And you never know who you can encourage and bless when they're going through a difficult circumstance. But if you're not around people that can speak into your life and have your life being spoken into them, then you don't have those things. And when you get to those difficult, pivotal circumstances and no one else around you, you're going to struggle. And that's why I'm asking you to be part of a life group because it's not just for your success, it's for the people around you that God has placed because God's going to use you to speak into someone else's life. God's going to bless you to bless someone else. And so when you're going through a struggle, when you're going through a loss, when you're going through pain, when you're going through heartache, someone can speak into your life. You have people around you that can encourage you. And that's why I want to share with you these important five faith catalysts. I want you, I encourage you to invest in yourself with these five things. Some of them are already happening in church. Some of them you need to interact with. But going forward as transformed church, everything is going to be built around these five catalysts. To engage you with Christ and to have Christ engage with you. And you'll see it manifest in different ways. You'll see it happen in different ways. We talked about, you know, Arishma talked about having lunches, you know, talked about singing songs of God. Tom talked about that. You know, Mark talked about having people greet people at the front. There's so many ways that you can engage with these five catalysts. But as I said at the start, if you don't invest, you won't grow. If you don't invest in yourself, there can't be any growth. Buying a gym membership will not make you fit. You have to use the equipment. And it's the same way. God has put nourishment around you, all around you. There's people around you. The church is around you. There's things happening around you. But if you don't engage and invest in yourself, you'll never be able to grow and flourish the way the psalmist talks about in Psalm 1. So I want to encourage you to engage with the five catalysts. And we'll expand that through the year and talk about it in different ways. And you'll see different opportunities. But today you have an amazing opportunity because some of our amazing leaders, I want you to put your hands together for them, have taken time and effort. They've planned. They've put things together just so you can go and experience and have a good time and engage with them. And here's an opportunity that you and I have to make one of those catalysts come alive in our life today. So... Invest in yourself, buy into the vision, be part of the journey. Can I repeat that? Invest in yourself, buy into the vision, be part of the journey. And you will see yourself like Psalm 1 begin to flourish and grow. Let's stand.
I know we've tried to pack a lot in today, a lot of information, but if I can leave you with one thing, it's this. Invest in yourself. Because God thinks you're worth it. He created you for a purpose. There's a plan for your life. He values you. He loves you. And if you're here for the first time at Transform, we love you and we value you. And we want you to be part of what God is doing right here. Because God brought all of you here for a purpose. You didn't come by accident. Someone might, you thought someone invited you or you showed up because of whatever. But God stirred your heart to bring you here. Because there's a purpose why you're here. There's a reason why you're here. He wants to show you what you are capable of doing and what we as transformers are capable of doing across this community, across the world, and ultimately to change things for transformation. So can I encourage you with that? To be part of what God is doing in your life. He's invested in you. Will you invest in yourself? He wants, he has great plans for you. Will you engage with those plans? Be part of the vision. Be part of the church. Be part of what God is doing in our community, in the lives of people around you. Because He wants to see you grow, grow and flourish. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you become great like that tree planted by the waters of life that will bring forth its fruit in season. Those leaves will not wither. And whatever you do will prosper. So lift your hands with me, if you will. All across Transform Church, those watching online, those with us in person, I want you to ask yourself a question just before we pray. And here's what we talked about at the first one. First catalyst, questions for you to engage in. What part or what area of the church is God wanting you to engage in? It doesn't have to be every single day. It doesn't have to be every single month. It could be once every six months. But there's something that you can be engaged in. Somewhere, someplace. Some, and if you, even if you don't see it in operation, come and talk to our leaders and say, Hey, I don't see this working in the church. Can I do this? It would be awesome. So I'm just going to leave you with that one question today. What, what part of the church can you be engaged in? Take that away. It's portable. It's memorable. Meditate on it. If you don't want to think about it today, if you don't want to answer it today, ask God to speak into your heart. Ask God to speak into what He's speaking in your life. Why are you here? Why are you part of this? And He will if you open up that dialogue. Because that's who He is. He's a living God. Jesus taught for a response. He wants a response from you. So let's be engaged. Now let's pray together. Hello again. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.